0: Ready for summer and want an enjoyable day trip? Head to Fauquier County, Virginia, just off I-66, nestled in the foothills of the Blue Ridge Mountains. Fauquier County has over 25 local wineries, breweries, hiking trails, and Rappahannock River access. Check out visit for details. Fauquier County, find what you love. Welcome to the Terrible Podcast with your hosts from SteelersDepot.com, where you can find all your latest and greatest Steelers news. It's Dave Bryan and Alex Kazzura. Always lit talking Steelers. And now, here's Dave and Alex.
1: welcome to the terrible podcast season 13 episode 124 he's dave brian i'm alex kazora steelers thanks for being back with us here this monday steelers nation dave the 2023 nfl draft officially in the books you um catch up on some sleep you catch your breath I, i'm still trying to Trying to, you know, slow everything down in my head right now.
0: Yeah, I I, I did actually get to bed a little bit earlier uh, last night there. And uh, before we get going here, I'd like to wish uh, you and everybody uh, a happy end of the compensatory draft pick formula uh, period day. Uh, And we uh,
1: celebrate that That as a cookout. I think we have a little celebration
0: (laughs) (laughs) for for those that. uh, that actually uh, do celebrate it. Uh, and for those that really, the, the majority of you that don't, uh, four o'clock. I
1: think, I think we're the only two that celebrate it.
0: <laughs> okay. Just you and me.
1: Mostly uh, you, I'm just kind of here. <laughs>
0: uh, it's just a, one of those dates on the calendar there. Uh, uh, yeah, I don't think, uh, there's, I don't think History Channel is showing anything uh, special <laughs> uh, related to this day here. But uh, uh, four o'clock, today after four o'clock today any any uh, unrestricted free agents uh, signed no longer count uh, against the uh, compensatory draft pick formula uh, I, I think you might see a little bit of movement with that across the league here these next two or three days with some guys that actually could potentially impact that with salaries obviously more more than a minimum there uh, I don't think this is a you know, will have really any impact on the Steelers and and mainly for the fact that, I mean, they don't even have any compensatory, you know, from what they've done so far this offseason. It's been more losses than it has been gains when it comes to that formula uh overall all uh or I'm sorry it's been gains other than losses overall uh, uh, uh you look at what they've lost and then what they've gained uh, they're they're not in line for any compensatory draft picks uh for uh for 2024 right now that would make a couple years in a row now right
1: Right. Yeah. Not really gotten a lot of comp picks lately, given how aggressive they were and have been the last two off seasons. So not expecting that to change for next year's slate of comp picks.
0: And there's not much out there for them to sign right now anyway. But I mean, we didn't we see last year after the draft? Uh, was it uh, was it Casey after the draft last year?
1: Casey was on that Saturday, the final day okay. of the draft, just in the way that Sullivan was, you know, day day three of the draft.
0: But did it actually, do you remember if it actually got announced by the Steelers until after the draft or not?
1: That's a good question. My guess is probably, but I don't know for sure. I just uh, know that the report came in that, that Saturday, probably, probably didn't hit the books until later that week.
0: Yeah. Uh, let me see if we can pull that up uh, real quick. And I, and also the team has yet to announce the, uh, the addition uh, of the of the new cornerback that'll probably come today or tomorrow, right?
1: Yeah, of Chandon um, Sullivan. So it's probably right. probably the same thing as Casey last year. I bet you that it was officially announced you know Monday. Yeah, Tuesday.
0: five five three, may May the third okay. last year was uh was was Casey. And they did uh, let's see they signed Trent Scott last year on five thirteen. Uh trying to think if there was anybody When else. did
1: Ogan Joby get signed officially?
0: Uh, that was in june
1: right that was wayley late, wayley yeah
0: 21st it looks like there so it's not totally out of the question that you could see a couple of couple of guys still come in that door there but in, but once again i think if uh if it's anybody at this point you're out there beating the bushes for for a slot cornerback and here's the other thing i mean uh with with, with the draft taking place now right there's probably going to be a few deletions around the league right
1: Sure. And one of those could be a Keller Witherspoon. And you wrote about that in an article yesterday that went up on Steelers Depot. You know, we've talked about him quite a bit. I know we've already kind of discussed it some, but just to, are there any kind of additional thoughts you wanted to bring about Witherspoon now that, now that you've written the whole article and kind of really, you know, flesh out your thoughts?
0: Uh, just more than anything, that it's uh, probably a 50-50 prop at this bet. You know, at this point, I mean, uh, be- because it's not like, I mean, we're not talking about a $10 million salary here, right?
1: Sure, but it's it's the largest salary of the guys that could potentially be, you know, cut.
0: Right, right. Uh uh and you know, some people say, Well, why why don't you include uh, a guy like uh uh Levi Wallace within that? You know, well Levi stayed healthy last year.
1: <laughs> yeah, who's saying to cut <laughs> Levi Wallace? No. Right. You know. Well.
0: Uh but I mean you look at their you look at the salaries of the two and they actually being the same. That's that's why you know, I, I I think people want to put him in the equation there, but uh, I I would, uh, you know, as I ended the article yesterday, you know, I, I wouldn't bet your house on a Keller Witherspoon not making it to, you know, OTAs. But uh, on the flip side, if there if if you were to bet on such a thing of a of a guy getting deleted from the roster here before OTAs, I think a Keller Witherspoon would be the odds on favorite.
1: Sure, I'm with you. And as of right now, this team has three open roster spots on its 90 man roster. They sit at 87, even after their undrafted free agent signings. And even if you include Chandon Sullivan in that. So we know that one way or another, this team's going to add three. And I would imagine they're going to add three before, you know, the full team OTA start later this month. I'm not sure what they'll be at for rookie minicamp, but I imagine they're going to, you know, be at, you know, at at least one or two more names before uh, the first round of OTAs begin.
0: Yeah, I have a feeling we'll be talking about a few, a few 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 different names here moving forward here. So now we just sit back and and see what happens. Uh boy small, small one drafted class right now. I'm uh, I'm interested to see and, and I'm with you. I think there's gonna be a couple of uh uh XFL or, or USFL guys that eventually uh, make it in the door here. I don't see how you don't at this point because even looking at the uh the undrafted class right now, there's, there was no tackles in there. Right. You know, so uh, we're still sitting at four right now and that, and and that's not going to be enough. So there is going to be some, a little bit of churning still with uh, uh, undrafted guys and maybe some, some outside guys uh, moving forward here because they, 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 they do need to add, you know, probably a good three or four tackles at this point.
1: Yeah, at least two to get you to six, and so if you had to kind of guess what they'll use those three open spots for, I would say a number four quarterback, because they always they always have four, even probably for OTAs. They're going to have a, an invite to rookie minicamp. His name is Hunter Johnson. He's a former five-star recruit who went to Clemson, then Northwestern, then back to Clemson, only threw six passes last year. It's kind of similar to Kelly Bryant a couple years ago, also a Clemson kid who had more tape, but that was a big recruit that never really panned out in college. So. My guess, number four quarterback of some type, at least one tackle, probably two, and then maybe you're looking at still more more edge depth or, or something like that. Okay. So, Dave, what do you want to talk about today? We're kind of sitting here just kind of going through tape, trying to catch our breath here. Um, have any of your thoughts changed? I know you watched more Nick Herbig last night. Um, what were your takeaways there?
0: I knew you wanted to pin me down on that.
1: I was trying to.
0: Uh, I did go back and watch more uh, Nick Herbig tape. Uh, yesterday, uh, the all 22 tape. Uh, and look, I mean, I, I'd watched a lot of them, you know, through the pre-draft process. I want to watch a little bit more people. A lot of people got aggravated at, at us the other day, Alex, uh, be, you know, saying that we're just nothing but haters. You, you read some of the YouTube comments in there. Uh, uh, people say, uh, judge the tape, not, not, not the stats where well, we had already watched the tape folks. <laughs> <laughs> we're just, we're just adding on, 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 on top of the discussion there. But I, I, I did go back and watch, I wanted to watch uh, particularly the Ohio state game from last year, because obviously they got a couple of, uh, uh, big tackles in Paris Johnson and, 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 and DeJuan Jones, uh, and all, and look, you go back and watch that game and, uh, Nick, Nick herberg was very insignificant in that game. Uh, he did have a couple of uh, kind of run plays uh, where he would uh, get into the gap and kind of beat Dewan Jones into the gap for for a couple I think uh, run stops in there. He had a pass breakup dro- dropping in in, in in coverage in that game outside of that and as far as him rushing the quarterback though, Really, nothing to write home about whatsoever there. Now, here's the thing in watching a little bit more, all 22 on him, they did move him around quite a bit. He, he did, uh, uh, kind of flex out, uh, you know, a few times in that game, and line up over top of tight end or or slot uh, uh, wide receiver there, and you know, mostly not playing man on man stuff, but but you know, some mostly some zone drops in there. Uh, he did not obviously in in pass rush situations or passing situations rush the passer uh, all the time uh, there. So you know, obviously, if you don't, you know, the more more opportunities to get the get to rush the passer, you know, the more opportunities you get to 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 obviously, you know, impact the play that way. Uh, but uh, you know, my my main takeaway overall was that, man, he's, you know, it, it's what it was the other day. He's got some great pass rushing moves. He, you know, there was one instance where he was even able to uh rush off the edge and get his uh get his hands into the chest of Paris Paris uh uh Paris Johnson. But uh Paris was able to drop anchor on him pretty easy and, mm. and, 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 and thwart that. Uh, I do think he's got a nice arsenal pass rush moves and, and all like that. But yeah, I think it just goes back to, to overall, you know, size with him. Uh, he looked, he didn't look no two forty in that game. I'll tell you that. Uh, if he was too, now, obviously you had those two other, two big tackles out there. Uh, I, I I just wonder if he's going to be able to stick on the edge. Period. I mean, that's what what the thought has been. But now, you know, we had to talk. Should he start over there at, at 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 you know OTAs and moving forward over there? I think you're just delaying the inevitable if you do that. So, I mean, we'll obviously see how he does moving forward. I mean, he should be a very good special teams player, I would think, because mm-hmm. he can uh, he can move he's got the agility and all to do that uh, and get downfield he's a you know he's not afraid to hit and tackle and all like that so i think he's going to be an instant uh, asset when it comes to special teams and all like that it just it by watching that tape last night and kind of going back through my notes that i had from previously in the offseason there it 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 feels like you are in, you're delaying the inevitable by putting him putting him on the on the edge and i i think what uh uh you know, one of the bigger takeaways here is, you know, what's going to happen with, with with the Marvin Leal right now, you know?
1: Sure. I I went into the draft basically not sure what the plan was for Leal, and it sounds like the Steelers weren't even entirely sure what the plan was for Leal. That was Mike Tomlin's comment, you know, basically saying it depends on what we draft and how we address things, what we don't address, and that'll determine where Leal slots in. Exiting the draft, I'm still a bit unclear where Leal will be. If Herbig's going to be an edge, then maybe they consider him a number three and Leal could end up playing D tackle and and bulk back up. But I'm with you. That was my point yesterday that I thought, you know, at some point sooner than later in all likelihood that that Herbig would go off ball. So why not start that conversation, that transition now um, in rookie minicamp when he's kind of, you know, things are slower. You're doing your base install stuff as opposed to later in OTAs or training camp or midseason when everyone's trying to hit the ground running. And get ready for the start of the season. So um, again, Herbert can be a good player. He can be an asset if they keep him. If they keep him as an edge, I think they're doing him and this team a disservice overall.
0: Uh, it, it, and you know, Mike Tomlin was very kind of vague about Leal, You know, ahead of the draft, there it feels like Lial. I mean, I, I I think they should drop a little bit of weight on him and let him play on the edge, plain and simple. I I, I think that's probably the best place for him.
1: That's what I would do. He could still rush as an interior guy in, in some packages on third down like he did last year. So I would Cavalier your big edge for first, second down type situations, have her big kickoff ball. And then in terms of other edge help, you know, you got Roche, probably look at a veteran, You look at the waiver wire cutdowns whenever that happens um, in late August, early September. Um, that, that would be my my approach would not be ideal, but that's probably the best thing Pittsburgh could do right now.
0: Right. I, I, I would agree on that. So. uh you know, for everybody, look. I uh, and we'll get into talking kind of an oh uh, you know, an overview of the the class again uh here in a minute. And I I think the draft was absolutely. You know, I thought they the students did an absolutely great job uh in the draft uh overall. I mean, they got they they moved up a couple of spots to get the tackle that they needed, and you know, you get a gift uh, of, of 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 you know what many people deemed a first round cornerback uh in the second round there um. Uh, you got a guy that we, both of us had been linking, you know, and you, you out of the shoot linking, uh, at defensive tackle there from the start of this process on, uh, that you needed in, in, in Keanu Benton, you really got a gift. And you you know, you ain't got to twist my arm to, to like a big tight end, uh, being added, uh, when they added him, especially one in the form of, uh, uh, of Washington, uh, you get to the back end of this in in in, in day three with uh, uh, Trice, who really is a look. I mean, s- size and metrics alone, and, and, and scheme fit for him. I mean, to get that guy in the seventh round is just absolutely incredible. And then you know, uh, we'll see what obviously happens with Spen- with, with Spencer Anderson. There, I, I you know, neither one of us had studied him before the draft. I think it'll be really intriguing to see if they try to get some, try to work him more at center. And then right slap dab in the middle of the draft is, is Herbig, And as we came out of kind of the show the other day, if you were to kind of question any of the selections, I think it'd be him.
1: Yeah, if yeah, and and maybe that's why we're being it, it may sound like we're being overly critical of Herbig and focusing in on that because there isn't a lot else to critique, I think, from this class. I think it's hard to nitpick any any downside or any obvious issues with the Broderick Jones selection or Joey Porter Jr. or Keanu Benton or, you know, Washington or Trice or Anderson. And so I think Herbig kind of sticks out uh more so that way just because there isn't a lot else to to discuss. So I don't want to belabor the point more. You know, we'll see how he looks. He's excited. You see the videos that he posted about how hyped he was, how hyped his family is to to have him come to Pittsburgh. He's going to be a high energy dude, a full effort kind of dude. And that's going to help. We'll just see, you know, how he looks and and, and take it from there.
0: And look, you know, uh you move him off the ball. Who knows what might happen in a couple of years, you know? Uh uh He'd be him. a good
1: off ball linebacker. I think he really could be.
0: Uh, and, and, and maybe, you know, do some things in some coverage for you and all like that. So, I mean, it's not, it's not a, we're not looking at him as saying, oh, that, you know, that, 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 that's a bust because even ahead of the draft, we were talking about him and, 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 uh, particularly in the light that he might have to move off the ball. So, and look, if he does end up being, you know, being a good edge for the steers here and then, you know, being a guy that you can get on the field. Uh, and and, and making an impact not only as a pass rusher or even if it's just as a pass rusher and and not against run, you know we'll, we'll gladly circle back to it and and you know say, man, we we misevaluated that we didn't give him enough credit, but uh, or you know didn't give him enough chance right out to shoot there. But uh, I, I think overall, and I think that's potentially maybe why you did see Curry uh, at 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 that pro day that, and all uh, is that. You know, I think long term, potentially there there is a chance that he becomes an inside linebacker for the Steelers. You know, uh, as, as a backup here. So, uh, and and as you noted, there's not too much to say about these other draft picks overall. I mean, there's they're really it's hard to cr- critique them uh, at all in a negative light. Now, are is is every one of them going to end up being a you know in in Pittsburgh a four year starter? I mean, odds tell you no. But mm-hmm. I mean, you do you do have a lot of clay to work with, uh, uh with a lot of them. And I I think really with Washington, with Washington and 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 Trice, the big questions come down to the medical red flags with those guys, because that's the only reason I feel that both those guys uh dropped uh whatsoever. But uh man, you give me you 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 give this team three good seasons uh, uh with Washington even as a 500 snap player, a C, se- you know, 500 snap season player, you know, the impact that you would think that if he stays healthy, that he can have it, you know, uh, uh, with the running game in particular is large and like him. And <laughs> and when you talk about Trice, I mean, what if this guy hits and you get another starting cornerback on the outside with him?
1: Yeah, it's a, it's a great value proposition at the least. And so just one last, Thought on Herbig and then a comment on Trice. You know, if Herbig were to hypothetically move off ball tomorrow, he's probably the second most athletic off ball linebacker on this roster behind Cole Holcomb. I mean, in terms of you know him versus uh, Robinson versus Roberts versus Muse, I mean, Herbig might be that second best you know athlete and potentially a, a cover guy. So that's more incentive to try to kick him inside. But because you because you watched at Ohio State game and you said he dropped the coverage a, a fair amount, correct?
0: Yeah, I, I forgot to pull the PFF stats on that real quick here. Uh, to 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 see specific. Like he's a good
1: space player. I mean, he you know, there's some questions about you know, frame overall, and I, I don't know how you know if he's going to be a playmaker in coverage, but just in terms of getting depth and you know being able to carry the seam, you know, I think he's going to be be an asset there.
0: Uh, let's see here in the game against Ohio State. Uh, 55 total snaps in that game. Make sure this is 2022. He played 55 snaps, Uh, run defense, 30 snaps, pass rush, 15 snaps in that game, coverage, 10 snaps in that game.
1: Okay. Was there a particular coverage grade for that game? Just to kind of get an idea of how they felt like he did.
0: Uh, 52.4 because, (laughs) uh, I don't think he gave up. Uh, he didn't. He didn't get targeted. You know, uh, and we don't know exactly how they come up with some of these grades on right. on, on PFN, But it wasn't like he was targeted or anything. And he okay. did. And he did have. He had that one drop. Uh, he he dropped one time into a zone. Uh, to I guess that would have been to his left. And I don't think Stroud uh, noticed him. And he was able to bat down. Uh, a, ball, a ball, a good, I don't know, five, six yards off the line of scrimmage in that situation uh, there. So, uh, and let's see, let's look where he lined up in that game. Uh, defensive line 47, in, you know, in the defensive line 47 times, in the box three times, five times in the slot, and uh, was, was, uh, what they call that out uh, over the tackle out or over the tackle uh, was 47 of those times that he was on the defensive line. So uh, like I said, they walked him around quite a bit. They, 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 they've let him play in space already a little bit as it is.
1: Right. So I think he has the traits to, to, to be an asset there. And obviously he's an outside linebacker. You can still, you know, be overhang against twin receiver sets, typically the, you know, that side outside linebackers dropping and, uh, and kind of, you know, playing pathway between number two and the tackle. So, you know, there'll, there'll be times he could drop as an edge guy, but all that to say, I think is that he's, he's best fit inside. And that at some point sooner than later, the team will kick him inside.
0: All right. So we'll get, uh, we'll get all that. We'll probably lose some listeners and, uh, you know, th- through this, we always lose listeners. I think through this portion, because people say we, we do nothing but look at the negative uh, side of things here. But that we're on the same evaluation of Herbig, kind of the same thoughts on Herbig as we were even before he became a Pittsburgh Steeler. So nothing's changed there. You know we just watched more tape at this point here uh, overall. but uh, that's kind of uh, you know, one other thing I wanted to go back uh, 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 and you go back uh, talking about the overview of the class overall. you know, you go back to the combine. Uh, this year where, where uh, Omar Khan was talking and, you know, asked about the impact of, of Andy Weidel and kind of say, you know, the questions were kind of asked about, you know, them paying attention to the to the trenches and all like that. Here's here's a quote from Khan back at the combine. He says, you guys look at the, the Steelers history. That's always been a big part of our winning teams has always been the O-line and the D-line. And the big guys, and I can't speak for Philadelphia, but I think that was a big part of theirs, also. Well, fast forward to to, to the draft, and Con wound up drafting a big tackle, a, a big defensive tackle, a big tight end, and two big cornerbacks, in addition to another big guard. So uh, he tried he tried to tell us.
1: Yeah, I wrote the article yesterday saying the Pittsburgh they're they're gonna play bully ball in twenty twenty three. You know the identity they were trying to. Uncover last year was that run-oriented style, super physical ball control, um, went on third down, finished drives. They're still going to work on a lot of that, obviously. But that was the point of this offseason was to, okay, we know who we want to be. Let's put the pieces in place to really, you know, maximize that vision. And you saw that from, you know, free agency and Nate Herbig, Isaac Say Malu. Defensively, you get, you know, a hitter in Orlando Roberts, a big corner and Patrick Peterson, and then of course the draft really sung all those notes in Broderick Jones and Joey Porter Jr., Keanu Benton, Darnell Darnell Washington, Corey Trice, like, you know, big hitters, uh, you know, physical guys, even Herbig's a smaller guy, but like physical, intense dude. And so Pittsburgh, that's how they want to win. They want to, it's not going to be pretty. They're not going to try to win shootouts. They're going to win by ball control, by being physical, by beating you up at the line of scrimmage and kind of wearing you down that war of attrition so that they win the fourth quarter.
0: Alex, I posted yesterday. Uh, you know, every, I try to get it up on Sunday after the draft, the uh, annual redraft exercise. I didn't realize how how long I've, we've been doing this now on the site. I think the first time was back in 2015. And in this post, I went ahead for if anybody wants to take a trip back in time. And that's why I do it too. It's just you, know, it it kind of let, lets everybody know where their heads were at at the time you know, uh, coming out of the draft and, and to do one of the, I mean, is there anything truly to be gained other than looking in the rear view mirror? No, but, uh, uh, it, it, to me, it is a fun exercise and put it up on the site yesterday there. And all of you that, that listened to, you know, listen to the podcast and read the site should already know, uh, quite a bit about it by now, but, uh, uh, within all this was, you know, how would you have done the redraft exercise?
1: Yeah, I posted a comment there. And I mean, I could, you know, I could have a lot of fun with it and try to go back and redo the whole thing entirely. But for me at the top, I didn't, I did not make any changes. I I was Broderick Jones, I was Porter, uh, Benton, and then Washington. I just felt like why even try to, you know, spend the energy on thinking about a different path and try to come up with something better than that? Because you probably can't. So the only changes I made started with the Herbig pick. I went with Darius Rush, the corner from South Carolina. I put a a round two grade on him. So I thought the value was too hard to pass up there. And so that kind of had a domino effect with the final two picks. And so I went Darius Rush in the fourth and then Anthony Johnson in the seventh, who, by the way, was the immediately the next pick after Corey Trice by Pittsburgh. And then I finished out by taking Lonnie Phelps, the edge from Kansas. And so I had just had uh, Rush, Johnson and Phelps as the differences to close out Day three of the draft,
0: you know, uh, going back through this uh, again and, you know, you can only pick the guys within those sections, you know, uh, until the next pick is made. I outlined this pretty good in the post here. So once again, everybody should understand the rules. Uh, I think looking at this, the only the only change I would I would potentially make here would be. Uh, and because there was you got such a large swath of players to choose from from the time you picked Nick Herbig until <laughs> that. What would you write about that? Uh, that 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 lag there was that the longest stretch,
1: the longest wait in between picks and Steelers draft history by uh, by far.
0: Oh, wow! Uh, you know, from Nick Herbig until Corey Trice in the uh in the seventh round here. Uh, It's unfair because I get such a large group of players to choose from here, but I'm not so sure I would not have taken uh, Robert Beal, who ended up being drafted in the fifth round at 173 uh, overall. So some 40, what would that be, 41 picks after Herbig? Uh, I would, I, you know, the only real change i would maybe consider, you know, taking Robert Beal, I think he has a better chance at being a true edge than, than Nick Herbig does. That would, that would probably be the only change I'd make quite honestly.
1: And then you would keep Trice and Anderson.
0: Yeah. I mean, uh, beyond, I mean, I didn't really look, I mean, there's only a handful of picks that came in, uh, after, you know, after Anderson was selected at two fifty one. I mean,
1: you also get your all of the undrafted. Yeah, guys all the undrafted in too, guys. In, in theory,
0: yeah, I, I, I don't know. Uh, maybe that tackle. Who was that tackle uh, out of Boise State? That uh, that you had identified? and checked all the boxes, didn't? Yeah, you go John to to Tennessee.
1: I, I don't even know where he ended up, but I believe you on that. Yeah, I don't know how to say the last name, John. John O. I know who you're talking about.
0: Yeah, may, may, maybe I go that way other than Spencer Anderson there. So uh, okay. let, let, let's change that one up and say say that one.
1: But overall, I would say the maybe the one draft uh, re-exercise where you sit there and say, yeah, you're pretty good with it. You don't really feel like making a lot of changes to it.
0: That's That was one of my first – I almost thought about not not make, making that right. annual post overall because <laughs> because of the fact I feel like so many people reading and listening and all like that uh, are really that high on. I mean, you look, and look, draft grades are, are – you don't really know what you have in a draft class until three or four years after the fact there. But, I mean, you look at all these national sites and pundits and and all like that. I mean, uh, I think Pro Football Focus gave, gave the draft class an A+. Plus. Uh, the ringer gave it an a plus sporting news an a plus nfl.com gave it an a usa today gave it an a the associated Press gave it an a i mean what <laughs> uh that that's 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 pretty resounding overall right And i, I and i think most of it has to do with value right and you know there's all this talk about this you know khan being aggressive and all like that was he really that aggra- aggressive overall or what was it more of a sit and wait uh Wait in the bushes, kind of, you know, <laughs> uh, kind kind of aspect here. Yeah, he did move up a couple of spots uh, uh, to get Broderick Jones, but I mean, it's not like it was a hugely aggressive jump, and he only gave up what? would he give up? The fourth of one twenty,
1: yeah, that which he got back in the right trade right, down from eighty,
0: right? So, I mean, uh, should we really just dis- describe this this draft by by Omar Khan as being overly aggressive? I don't think so. Uh, I think it's more that more of uh, just waiting, getting getting value overall there. So, um, I mean, at least that's what what the draft grades. And once again, read into these things what you will, we'll, we'll, we'll figure it out three or four years down the line.
1: You have to really love, though, the fact that he goes up from 17 to 14, making that – because the Jets are going to take Broderick Jones. Let, let's sure. just – I'll be, be honest about that. If, if they stay at 17, they do not get Broderick Jones. They're probably drafting Joey Porter Jr., and the whole draft class looks entirely different. Um, So to, to go up there, get him, and then go from 80 to 93, basically get that fourth-round pick that you just gave New England back in that deal with Carolina – and still get Darnell Washington at 93. I know there's the medical concern, but that that's a really good, you know, chess, not checkers kind of move there from Omar Khan. So, yeah, it wasn't like aggressive in this, like 17 trades were made and giving up a bunch of future capital. None of that kind of stuff, but um, made that aggressive move in the first round. And I wouldn't even say he was waiting in the bushes. He was waiting in the open field. And these guys just kept falling to him and just, you you didn't overthink it though. You didn't get cute. You didn't say, Oh, this guy's here, but let's take this other guy that nobody knows about. And, you know, try to be the smartest guy in the room. Just get the good players as they fall to you. That's how this draft went.
0: Uh, I would agree. I mean, uh, people are probably going to probably say, we want you guys to give a definitive grade on it. Okay. I'll I'll play along. Uh, I'm not going to go in the A plus plus, uh Range there, but I mean, I'll I'll give it just a solid A.
1: Yeah, an A's fine. I don't you know put really any stock into that. I'm just happy with how the draft went. So a happy grade, a smiley face. I guess is what I'll I'll give this one.
0: uh completed, huh?
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it completed for sure. I do want to make mention of of something from Corey Trice. Uh, We talked about you know why this guy fell to 241. Felt like he had talent to be a late day two, early day three pick. Jim Nagy of the Senior Bowl made a comment on on Twitter yesterday um, responding to a comment about, you know, why Trice fell. And he said, quote, known medicals were reason why Trice didn't get senior bowl invite. Many people in league tipped us off in November. And we thought he could fall all the way out of the draft, which almost happened End quote. And so um, that's, you know, further evidence of the medical concerns with Corey Trice that I talked about quite a bit in my report. And also um, after the pick was officially made. So I still have a hard time, trying to figure out, and maybe we have to talk to Dr. Mel about this. What could be so bad in that medical that is causing that guy to slide so much because he's healthy right now. I mean, he is going to be in rookie minicamp. It's going to be in OTAs. This is not a guy. It's not a Voorhees where he has an injury that you know you're you're getting as you're, you're drafting him. So I just want to know what for, for for the league to tip them off in November about medical before there was actually any combine evaluation and, you know, doctors could actually take MRIs and, and look at this guy. What in the world could be so bad about his medical that that, you know, sounded off all these alarms, you know, even in the fall and, and, and during the winter?
0: And look, what, what, you know, what if, if is this, hey, look, Jim Nagy going to promote the guys that come to the senior bowl. And why would he? right?
1: Right. But he's saying this is why he did not get a senior bowl invite.
0: Right. But why did not we hear more about this kind of thing
1: during the process? Well, I don't think he's going to talk about
0: medical guys,
1: medical stuff, you know, during this process that might hurt the guy, I, you know, I don't think he would do that.
0: Well, if it's says why no, well, well known as he stated there, would it have really impacted or is it just the public? Yeah. Uh, I just don't
1: talk about a guy's medical before okay. the draft, you know, especially well, why, you know, to,
0: why talk about it afterwards though? <laughs>
1: well, I guess I think he was defending the one guy because the, okay. one guy was kind of getting some Twitter. So you're
0: going to defend one guy, you know, uh, I, I, it all doesn't make, you're right. It it all doesn't make sense. I mean, if he's going, it, like we had said on the, on the podcast the other day, had he, had he not done certain aspects of the, of the pre-draft process and more particularly had he not killed it, right? you know, uh, you know, maybe, maybe, maybe there's more talk, you know, maybe there's more talk about this, but I mean, this guy went through the pre-draft process. Here's something I tried to research yesterday. I couldn't find. Uh, the he when he invited, he was invited to the Hulu Hulu Ball, was he not? Now, did he partake actually in the Hulu Ball? Because Khan, I don't know. Khan went to the Hulu Ball, he told us he right. went, he, he told everybody he went to the Hulu Ball, yes. Uh, I, I, I I'm I can't find definitive yet, I didn't spend a lot of time on it, but I can't find definitive or not whether or not uh Trice at least maybe took part in the practices and decided not to play or whatever, you know.
1: It is odd that he didn't get this I mean, it's not odd after the fact, but like at the time not getting a senior bowl or shrine bowl invite for a, a right. corner that looks like him and it was productive like him. So I mean, my, it, obviously, whatever medical there is, it, it's a long term concern. It, it's um something maybe like, you know, and, and I'm just guessing here, obviously, but you know, is there, is there arthritis concern? Is there, you know, giant, uh, did, did a broken ankle not set right, like something like that, it's going to be that longer term? Will this guy still be able to play two, three, you know, plus years from now, as opposed to something immediate. So again, I felt like, the only people that knew about Trice's medical issues were the NFL and us because we had the medical red flag on Corey Trice because I dug into the dude's history about all the ankle. And, you know, of course, there's a torn ACL from 2021, which is the big injury, um, but he's recovered from, and, you know, a lot of guys recover from torn ACL. So, you know, I I knew that there were medical concerns, but I'm just trying to figure out, you know, how were they, how was it so bad that even back in November before, you know, there was the combine or anything like that, that, you know, was, was creating this red flag to teams.
0: Yeah. Good. I mean, good, good questions there. So, uh, you know, maybe I'm, I'm maybe he'll get asked more about this on into rookie mini camp and, and things of that nature. So, uh, maybe, maybe we'll learn a bit, a little bit more in there, but yeah, it is, I, I would be interested to see if he actually was at the Hulu bowl, uh, and may, maybe Khan got to talk to him quite a bit there. If that, that indeed happened and, just more about why he didn't show up even in even in the uh, NFLPA Bowl.
1: Right? right. There was no unless he was at the Hula Bowl. But there was no, to my knowledge, invite for any of the other all star games.
0: All right. So anyway, uh, I, we'll probably learn more about that as we go through the process here.
1: But still worth the risk at 241. Take the chance. If it right. doesn't work out fine. But if it, if you hit, you're hitting pretty big
0: talk about hitting he's a he's a hitter too <laughs>
1: yeah for sure he's like Porter he's pretty similar to to right, Joey right. Porter Jr overall so uh any other draft thoughts here Dave any thoughts on the NFL draft at large what the AFC North did uh, in terms of Baltimore Cincinnati Cleveland uh any thoughts around the north Dave
0: yeah let's let's take a trip down through the uh through through the north teams real real quick uh Ravens had Zay flowers Trenton Simpson uh, Tavius Robinson out of Ole Miss. Uh, imagine that another edge rusher for them.
1: Yeah. Big edge uh, rusher. Wow.
0: A big, yeah. Big edge rusher. Uh, uh, KY blue Kelly, a guy <laughs> T- T- Tomlin will have quite a few chats with him. Uh, 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 moving forward, obviously no, knows the kid quite well, as we talked about, you know, with his links with Brian Kelly over the years and coaching him in Tampa Bay, uh, I'm not going to dare pronounce the name uh Mala Sol- Salah.
1: How uh, the Oregon
0: Yeah the lineman. Oregon kid now he was a guy that I think played tackle but projected to move inside the guard was he not
1: I believe you're right yeah
0: And then boy this one this one hurt uh Andrew Vorhees uh we'll find out you know how that that knee injury how 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 you know how if that's going to shelve him for how long in 2023, but it does sound like he's going to have a chance to potentially hit the field at some point here. But even if, even if Voorhees doesn't, and he's in, and, and this knee injury that he suffered isn't anything out of the ordinary, you know, that, that, that these guys overcome, they may have, may, they may have gotten him a starting left guard there.
1: Yeah. Traded up to get him too. move back up in the seventh round to, um, to To grab him, so that was, you know, classic Ravens pick, taking away a guy that I I really liked.
0: Uh, Trenton Simpson, kind of an interesting, you know, where they got him, I guess, kind of value, uh, overall there, and then, you know, obviously their big talk will be about Zay Flowers, uh, you know, and 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 you know, seeing kind of what they can get out of him moving forward. Very talented. Very, very talented wide receiver, a little bit undersized, but they need some wide receivers over there.
1: Yeah, certainly top of the list to, to really add to that receiver room. You know, Trenton Simpson fell probably further than what I and most people thought. You know, you're kind of seeing these hyper athletic linebackers start to fall. You know, teams you kind of was in vogue a couple of years ago because, oh my goodness, the potential. They're so, you know, long, athletic, they can have range, but you try to get them in the NFL and where do you play them and can they hold up against the run and, you're kind of seeing these guys follow, but as teams realize that yeah, they're not, they're, they're kind of a fool's gold where they're, they're really good athletes, but are they good football players with defined roles and positions? So it'll be the, you know, it's a good pick by Baltimore. It's really good value, but you know, you're kind of seeing teams struggle with, you know, how to, you know, make these players work in the NFL. All
0: right. Uh, the Bengals, uh, uh, miles Murphy, the edge out of Clemson, uh, DJ Turner out of Michigan, uh, uh, the cornerback, then Jordan Battle out of Alabama, Charlie Jones, the wide receiver who I think the Steelers had in for a pre-draft visit uh, there in the fourth round in the fifth round, Chase Brown, the running back out of Illinois. Uh, sixth round, they had uh, two picks. Uh, Andrea, I, 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 I. I Josefos, yeah. Yosevas out of Princeton, the Princeton product there. Uh, Brad Robbins, uh, Michigan, a punter. And DJ Ivy out of Miami, the cornerback in the seventh round there. So kind of kind of instant thoughts there, Alex.
1: I think it's a good class overall. Murphy in the first round, maybe a little bit surprising, but DJ Turner, I liked, you know, Jordan Battle, I thought had inconsistent tape, but I get the the allure there in a bad safety class. Chase Brown's got real speed at running back and there's questions about, you know, mixing they lose P Ryan to Denver, got to get some running back help there, get yourself a punter. Um. yeah, I think good. overall, Joseph Voss, you know, he's, he's a little overrated, but, but you know, good value later in the draft. So a, a good haul.
0: Uh, I wonder what those wide receivers, what this might mean for, for Boyd.
1: Yeah, uh, he's getting older. I don't know how many years are on his contract. I mean, Joseph Voss is not a slot guy. Charlie Jones, probably a bit more of a slot guy, um, but kind of a bit more downfield type than the possession receiver that Boyd is. But certainly you're looking at the future um, post Boyd
0: all right uh moving on to Cleveland here uh wide receiver another wide receiver let's see Cedric tillman uh they didn't have a a pick until the third uh,
1: uh until third, 74 yeah uh, right. Right, yeah, because of the uh, Watson deal. And I don't know if that was part of the second-round pick or, or what, but yeah, did not pick until 74.
0: Uh, so they get a talented wide receiver in Cedric uh, Tillman. Uh, Siaka Ika out of Baylor going to be in the middle of that defensive line for him. Got them him in the third round. Uh, Daywan Jones stays in, uh, stays in the state uh, there. Got him in the fourth round. Oh, I hated to see this, Isaiah Maguire, because I was hoping mm. he would, he would, he would slip to the Steelers there in the uh, where they picked in the fourth round. Uh, a, a guy that's going to be in, you know, this is the same Isaiah Maguire. If there was probably one guy that uh, that matched up very well against Broderick Jones, uh, uh, in you know, in the game tape last year, it's probably Isaiah Maguire there. So now we get to watch McGuire uh, potentially watch you know, versus Broderick Jones moving forward uh through uh through time here Dorian Thompson Robinson uh would, 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 was an add in the fifth round how many quarterbacks do they have on their I uh, what, what cuz didn't they sign uh re-sign Josh Dobbs
1: mm-hmm. yep Dobbs came back
0: and I think wasn't that a little bit more than the minimum? I, I'll have to look at that there. But uh, they they add uh, Dorian Thompson Robinson there, Cameron Mitchell uh, out of Northwestern, a cornerback in round five, and then another uh, uh, Ohio State uh, product, offensive lineman Luke Wipler, the center there. Did he go much later? To, we we and I I believe we talked during you know uh, during the pre draft process of how centers just. They get pushed down, you know, uh, for, for whatever reason. And it happened again, you know, this year. So uh, Luke Weipler in the sixth round, that seems like per- pretty damn good value overall.
1: Well, I thought centers went pretty high in this class. Wepler's got the really short arms. He's your, he's your T-Rex and he can really only play center. And so that kind of pushed him down. Um, yeah, I was mixed on this class. I mean, Day One Jones is a real 50-50 guy. I mean, fourth round, you know, it's probably worth, worth the shot, but. Who the heck knows? And it's it's either going to go really, really well with day one Jones or really, really poorly. Like there's no in between on his outcome. Ika in the middle. Yeah, I mean, that's fine. Interior plugger. Um,
0: Did did you do the profile on him?
1: I did not. On Ika? No, I did not. Um, And then Tillman, I I was surprised to see a receiver at 74 because they've added so many receivers to that room. You know, Tillman's a guy. I know Pittsburgh had some interest in him. He came in for a visit. I just don't know how he's gonna win. You know, he's not really fast, doesn't really separate. He wins contested, and guys who win contested most often don't work. There are exceptions. George Pickens, of course, being one of them, but it's a hard road to to walk for a wide receiver in the NFL. Uh, Mitchell's fine. Um, you know, Weibler's fine in this in, in the later rounds. You know, quarterback, you know, I'm not a fan of taking a quarterback on day three, but I get it. You know, he's mobile like Watson is so. Overall, I thought it was just an okay class. I thought I thought the Bengals had probably the best the best overall haul. Um, I thought Pittsburgh had the best draft of the AFC North. I would put Cincinnati as the next best class of the AFC North teams.
0: Yeah, I would agree with you there. And then uh, kind of, uh, I mean, would I? I would actually probably put Cleveland's ahead of Baltimore's.
1: Yeah, I would. That's a good question. I might put Baltimore ahead just because of Zay. You get that first round guy, okay. but you know. Both classes, the Ravens did not have their typically amazing class that usually makes me very angry, but I would say Baltimore, I would say it would go Pittsburgh, Cincinnati, Baltimore, Cleveland. All
0: right. All right. Uh, where to now?
1: That's a good question. Where to now? What else is there to talk about? Um, basically, we talk, all that we I already had- talked
0: hey. about the contract with Robinson. Oh, I've got the uh, rookie reservation uh, undrafted pool number for you here. Uh, I asked Joel Corey about that this morning here. He says he was told that the uh, rookie reservation amount for 2023 is 172,337. So not quite that 180,000 that kind of was speculated out there, but obviously a little bit more than the uh, 2022 number. Uh, I don't think the Steelers is going to come anywhere close to that. <laughs> Cut
1: that in half, and that's going to be what Pittsburgh spends. Uh, we know that what Pottebomb got a 10K bonus. It's the one number we we believe we know so far.
0: Right, and do any of these other guys scream? Probably uh, Morgan, right?
1: Probably, maybe just for being a quarterback.
0: Maybe 15,000 for him.
1: Whoa, let's not get crazy now with the big numbers. Yeah, probably something like 15, 20K.
0: Uh, but I mean, as far as the rest of some of these guys, uh, that bird kid's exciting to look at a little bit of his highlights, uh, as far as a return, you know, return man, how are they officially listening to him? Cause he, he ran the ball quite a bit, uh, yeah. uh, for them.
1: Yeah. They announced him as receiver returner. He was really a running back in college, not a particularly good one, but he, you know, regardless, he's going to be a return guy if he's going to want to try to make this team. But yeah, I mean, he should be in the running back room, but they're going to call him a receiver. So we'll have to to get eyes on him in the summer.
0: All right. Uh, What else uh, has your fancy here?
1: I think that's about it. I know that uh, Patrick Peterson speaking about the uh, Steelers draft right now. And I think he's calling Darnell Washington, the steal of the draft. And I'm sure has his thoughts on. Joey Porter Jr. And so the guys are writing that up right now for Steelers Depot. So we'll go back and listen to those, maybe talk about those comments on uh, on Wednesday.
0: All right. Shall we comb through some emails here, being as how we didn't get uh, to any of them the other day?
1: Yep, we'll get to some reader emails and close out today's show. And by the way, Dave and I have a live stream tonight at 7 p.m. Eastern time, our first one, of course, since the draft. So I'm sure you guys have lots of questions, and hopefully we'll have lots of answers. But join Dave and I at 7 p.m. tonight on my youtube channel
0: uh let's see here dan hedrick writes in david alex wanted to thank you for the hard work during the draft process i enjoyed it and you're definitely the best in the business i think you were spot on with your picks since many of them were drafted that you mentioned in the shows i enjoyed predicting them to my friends then bragging that i was right super excited about the washington pick he says any picks you were surprised about and he's uh, out there in uh, Omaha, Nebraska, Dan is. I, I don't recognize the name, so it might be a first-time email. Thanks for that, Dan, if that is indeed a first-time email there. Uh, any picks that you were surprised about? Well, we didn't have a profile. We Every offseason, we say, man, this is the offseason we're going to have. Uh, and we have done it, I think, in the past. Been Last able-
1: year, we had a profile on everybody, I think.
0: I'm trying to remember if we did or not, but uh, we did not have one on Spencer Anderson uh, out of, out of Maryland. So that I, you know, I don't, we weren't surprised overall that they drafted an interior lineman It's just probably the name, the, the actual player there uh, overall. Uh, I think, I think Trice was obviously a surprise because we probably all imagine if they, uh, you know, took a took a corner within the first three or four rounds that 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 might be it at that point. And then, you know, obviously a lot of people had uh, uh, Trice ranked a lot higher. So I, I guess you could say, yeah, a little bit surprised uh, that 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 Trice, you know, not only was picked but was picked in the seventh round. Uh, Washington obviously falling you know, like he did, uh, was a bit surprised, but I mean, other than that, I mean, not a lot of surprises, right?
1: Yeah. I'm going to write about this for either sometime later this week, the blues clues are alive and well, I mean, everything was kind of as expected. No, no big curve balls. I mean, seventh round, you never kind of know what's going to happen there, but you know, basically the only, only kind of name that really raised my eyebrow was Anderson, just not really being super familiar with him. Right. But I mean, yeah, Jones Porter, you know Washington fell, but we knew that they had interest. He came in for a visit. Benton, I mean Herbig, those are all just yeah, totally see that. Basically expecting those guys to become Pittsburgh Steelers.
0: I don't want to give away your 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 post. I haven't even read it yet. Uh, but uh, what your main takeaways? Because we talked about man, it's going to be interesting to watch this whole pre-draft process with 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 Con and Weidel and and all like that to see if we can pick out any. You know, huge kind of changes in the process that that might help or help us or hurt us uh, moving <laughs> forward. Really, I mean, is there anything that sticks out in particular to you that you would kind of say is a big change for this organization in the pre-job process?
1: It's always tough to tell in just one draft class because sample sizes can be small. And I'm gonna I I I was I've been jotting some notes down when I've kind of noted some differences in terms of things that might be a little bit different in the approach that Pittsburgh's taken. Really the big thing I have right now is potentially the first round picks may come in for visits because in the past they never came in for visits. They were never the 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 30 visitor uh, list guys because Pittsburgh would go to them and they still do, but you saw, you know, Broderick Jones come in, you saw some of these other potential first round options come in for pre-draft physics, which I would say is not something Pittsburgh has done uh, typically in the past. So that might be one difference just to kind of complete the thoroughness of the evaluation on some of these first round guys. Maybe that's something that will change going forward.
0: All right. Uh, Austin writes in, With the Steelers not drafting a slot corner in the draft, where do you guys see us going for a solution? He says, maybe Casey on obvious passing downs, question mark. Trying JP, uh, Joey Porter Jr. or Peterson doesn't seem like uh, an answer, so I'm left wondering who. He says he's not criticizing the draft. Omar gets an A-plus from me. Thanks for all you guys do. Look, Austin, that's a great question. We wish we had the exact answer for right now. Uh, as far as what this, this team's going to do in the slot uh, against passing in in passing situations.
1: Yeah, right now. I mean, your options are, you know, Millett, not that he's a good one in, in passing situations, uh, Sullivan, Norwood, if he makes the team, maybe a little bit of Casey, Duke Dawson with a high pedigree guy out of Florida. I mean, it's not it's not looking too good right now, though.
0: Yeah, that's uh that's going to be something we'll watch closely here moving on through the rest of the offseason. Uh, Taylor Carpenter writes in Dave and Alex needless to say the Steelers knocked it out of the park uh, this draft in my opinion after the first four selections I think most Steelers fans were moonwalking around their houses at the the value we got where we picked he says one thing is for sure this year the board broke extremely well for us I think a lot of fans are going to jump on the con is the best GM ever trained following this draft I think he and the Steelers uh, staff did a fantastic job in selecting the correct players this year, and I'm not in any way putting Con down, but I think we need to acknowledge that every once in a blue moon, a board just breaks perfectly for a team based on their needs. He says, seems like this happens to the Ravens every year. Uh, he says, can you guys remember a draft where in each of the of our first four picks need and talent converged at such a high value point with the players available to us. He says, I'm not sure I can. This draft seems special in that regard, even with uh, being able to trade up for Jones uh, in the first for such a good trade value. Absolutely great coverage this year. Really appreciate everyone on a depot staff. Taylor. Yeah. I mean, it's hard to sit here right after the fact and say, man, uh, you know, you go back to, I I mean, let's face it overall. I mean, the, the, the draft since, uh, I guess the Watt draft, right? Have we really talked about maybe the board breaking, quote unquote breaking, perfectly or whatnot?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think to get Watt late first round ended up be. I mean, obviously it was a great pick, but I'm I'm just trying to think at the time that they feel like it was a steal or something, you know, crazy. I mean, when the Castro fell. In 2012, I mean, if you, if you want to, this is going to sound negative, but like the 08 draft, we, we, we love the 08 draft as it happened. You know, Lima Swede falling in the second round felt like incredible value in, you know, Mendenhall uh, in the first round. Obviously, it didn't turn out that way. So I'm not really sure draft classes kind of blur together in terms of right. how you felt in the moment. But, you know, I, I agree, though, the board, it felt like it, it was Falling perfectly in the place for Pittsburgh.
0: Yeah, look, I mean, Porter in the second, Washington, you know, where you got him and and Benton still being there when they picked uh, with their second pick in, in 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 the second there. And, you know, obviously, Trice falling all the way down like he did, you know, seems like great value right now. So, uh, uh, but it is, it does seem like it blurs together as far as thinking, oh, man, this, this, uh, this draft broke, you know, better than that draft broke.
1: Yeah. I, I, I can't keep them all together.
0: Let's see here. Let's go to Randy. Not sure what kind of Gandalf-inspired wizardry y'all are using over there, but keep it up. Uh, You have Dave predicting half the draft and Alex posting articles on picks three minutes before they're (laughs) announced live on (laughs) TV. Anyway, super excited about this draft class, but really looking forward to reading, hearing more in-depth analysis and potential usage of Herbig, Trice, and Anderson, he says. Love the way the offense is shaping up uh, for the power run game. Uh, I just hope Bull Warren gets a bigger piece of the action early on in games this year to keep Najee extra fresh for closing it out in the fourth. He says, I guess my one actual question now that the draft is over is, do you see any possibility of them bringing in Ronnie Harrison? I've always been a big fan and seems he wouldn't be very expensive. Any thoughts on that?
1: No, I think they got their safety in Neil, um, barring an injury. I think they're going to roll with the group that they have essentially.
0: And look, I mean, Gandalf, I mean, look, we appreciate, we appreciate the praise, but Gandalf inspired wizardry. Uh, I mean, I, I find it's been a couple of years since I think I've even hit one draft pick in a final mock. Uh, I hit, uh, two this year, although, you know, I'm not uh, uh, in the exact spots there. I mean, it was nice to hit a couple. I thought I had a chance to hit maybe a third one with Anthony Johnson Jr. later in the draft, but that that didn't happen. It, it, Randy, I think it's more of, you know, just the pre-draft process that, that we have here, being able to connect the dots. That's why we spend hours playing the game of who's where at the uh, the Blues Clues at the at the pro days and tracking these pre-draft visits and the whole uh, Alex Kazora, what they look for studies and and then obviously the guys putting up over two hundred fifty draft profiles allow us to have a, a a little bit of knowledge about a lot of guys as I like to say within that and then. You know, being able to uh, and what all Alex does is he changed the timestamps on the profiles to get them up to the front page uh, there. Mm -hmm. So, uh, you know, uh, that might look like we're we're, we're getting those posted live. But I mean, it's just pulling from the database, uh, so to speak, there it's 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 all just a byproduct of kind of the the work that we try to do during the pre-draft process here. So, uh, and then, you know, obviously mocks are mocks and they're, they're, they're luck because if you don't hit on your first pick particularly, and if it's, and if particularly it's a position other than what you you can throw your whole mock out of, out uh, out of whack. Right. You know, uh, you, you have a, you have a cornerback going in the first round and a tackle's taken. Well, you know, it has a potential of of throwing your whole mock-up. But, I mean, we appreciate uh, the compliments there. And, you know, is there anything you learned throughout this process that you think we can maybe do better?
1: I'll have to go back and think and and evaluate. Um, You know, I think maybe if we hit more profiles on the late-round guys, they could be able – if seventh round, it's always tough to predict, you know, who's going to go where. The seventh round is such a, you know, hodgepodge of, you know, area scouts banging the table or – you know, can we get this guy's UDFA or will we feel like we, you know, it's going to be too competitive? So um, maybe some some later round focus on on some of those guys on drafted potential type players might help a little bit. But I, I had honestly not even gone through it yet uh, until you just mentioned it. Now, I'm, I'm going through all my what they look for studies, and it was a good year for the look for studies, uh, Corey Trice. Nick Herbig and Keanu Benton were all in the every single box category, and so that's that's almost half the draft class right there who hit every single box in our study. That I'm not sure if that's ever happened before, so that that feels like right on the money.
0: And 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 Broderick would have hit had he done everything right.
1: Almost certainly, yeah. I think just because uh, he didn't do some of the shuttle drills, um, is the reason why he wasn't on the list. But he, he probably would have would have passed that.
0: And and Joey Porter Jr.
1: Yeah, again, he, he didn't make it because I don't think he had, he did the shuttle drills either, and so we, we can't say for sure if he would have made it. But you know, probably probably would have had a good chance.
0: And who else uh,
1: was uh, Anderson at the co- he was a combine invite,
0: right? Anderson was was I, he
1: at the combine?
0: I think he was, wasn't he? Let's double check
1: because I I only look at the combine invites just to kind of help narrow the the list down a little bit. But uh was he at the combine? Unless maybe I had him as a tackle. I don't have him in my, oh, in my no, notes anywhere. I, I don't think he was. No. Okay. Then he wouldn't have even been, you know, qualified for me to, to. I can, I can check. I don't know if he would have hit the boxes or not. But, but it, um,
0: well, here here's the thing probably to do next year uh, try, try, try to factor in not only the combine guys, but the All Star game, all the All Star game guys. Yeah. Or,
1: just or, a lot of people.
0: Or at least, uh, at least a shrine in the Senior Bowl.
1: And mo- I mean, yeah, most of the Cedar Bowl guys are combine guys. Shrine right. Bowl, I'm, not, I'm a little less sure of. Because um, Anderson was
0: that. a Shrine Bowl guy, right?
1: I, yeah, because I think Josh said he saw him there. Um, right. and that's kind of when he got on, on his radar. So, yeah, maybe I'll do that next year.
0: Uh, and the only really uh, thing we've, we've already kind of talked about, maybe different next year, and we haven't decided on this 100% depends on the budget and all like that is – I don't know, Alex. Maybe we should send a couple of these guys to th- these major pro days. Make sure we don't miss anybody. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, you always wonder what you might miss, but I feel like this year—I mean, we had our our best kind of Steeler spotting season ever. So I felt like we were pretty thorough in in what we saw this year. But yeah, to go send those guys out to maybe get a couple interviews, you know, talk about some Steeler stuff—that'd be—that'd be pretty cool.
0: Uh, let's see. LM uh Luke writes in uh uh and this is about Armand Watts. He says Armon Watts has the frame like a Steeler's typical defensive end. What makes you think he's a nose tackle and uh and think with the addition of Benton, there's a chance Watts is more of a defensive end? That's a that that is a great question. And one uh and I think even Alex, didn't you say after after the signing of Watts that he does have more of that traditional kind of what they look for, for a guy that, that might play more than outside of, let's say a two tech, you know, uh, uh, kind of guy. Now, when you look at specifically how he was used last mm-hmm. year, it was more, you know, uh, two tech, one tech, you know, zero tech kind of thing. But You know, maybe there's a chance that, especially now that you have Benton and 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 Fahoko and 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 all like that, maybe there is a chance we see him more move out a little bit more. And he's actually, I mean, he's got Tate as doing that, right? Right.
1: Right. Yeah. I mean, he's done it before. I have to think they start moving these guys a little bit because you got like four, you know, nose tackles on this roster right now, and Adams, Benton, Fajoko, and Watts, and guys like Benton and watts have the the height weight length profile to to be able to move around some so to get those guys on the field to to bolster some of your depth especially in your base packages your Oki front um they, they should move these guys around some so you know watts has tr- traditionally been used more you know shaved one tech kind of usage that's why we kind of them as that nose tackle but but yeah i think these guys have some Flexibility to to play up and down the line.
0: Yeah, look, Luke, uh, when, you know, as we move forward into the into the offseason and get the reports from uh, from 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 mini camp and, and particularly once Alex gets out there to Latrobe and seeing where these guys line up and then on into the preseason. all I, I don't think it would be shocking at all uh, if, if 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 you see Watts, you know, move, move more away from the center. But in the same breath, he does have experience doing that. So uh, I don't think we need to sit here and pigeonhole him right now in, in, in one spot, if that's what you're trying to say, Luke.
1: Yeah, because, you know, who are your other defensive ends right now? If you're not considering Watts and Benton, this guys that might be able to move around some. I, I mean, you got Loudermilk, obviously Oak joby Hayward. What else do you really have right now? I mean, Jonathan Marshall, I guess, you know, get get eyes on him uh this off season, but you know, you're gonna want to use those guys like Watson Benton to to move around a little bit.
0: All right. Uh speaking of Benton, uh, this one from C Michael, uh Benton groupthink is the title. He says, I don't agree with the groupthink on Benton as some perfect scheme fit who's great value. He says, I feel like he gets labeled as a scheme fit due to his stature. Uh, and most joined the consensus without watching the film. He's supposed to be a run stuffing piece, uh, but didn't grade well on run D. He says 315 pounds isn't even that heavy, yet he has very limited burst as a pass rusher. Hmm. Uh, I see no explosiveness. He says, on paper, I like the idea of adding a major force for the run D, but not at the expense of positional value. The majority of, of, of teams don't run our scheme or value nose tackles, so that should push Push him back Uh, for mid second. You need to either show some explosiveness or grade as a stud run defender, late third or fourth. Sure. But mid second is a very premium pick. He says Pickens and Dexter went, uh, went after and showed a lot more explosiveness. And I also thought they were overdrafted. He says, "I, I I'd have traded back if a decent deal was there and went for another defensive back. This was the draft to double up or double dip early. He says, I'm curious to understand where you feel a non-explosive 3-4 scheme defensive lineman should be valued in an average draft. Feels middle round to me considering lack of teams looking for the position. All right, interesting conversation. You watch more and film than any of us. Go.
1: <laughs> okay. Um, well, it's interesting. I mean, it's a fair question and, and it, I'm not, you know, we can all have different thoughts here and still be friends to, to hear, you know, watch the tape and then here's the grade. Well, you know, that grade is from tape, but you know, it's not, it's not, you know, you and I watching the tape if We're just looking at a, a grade number. I thought he was better against the run than probably what that grade indicates. I mean, there's things to work on. I think technically, uh, in his game in terms of, you know, keeping his head up and staying on his feet and some of the pad, balance pad
0: level stuff. off the board, uh, uh, off the snap.
1: Yeah. And obviously, I mean, I, I was very clear on Ben. he's not going to be like this super high end, you know, pass rusher that's going to get eight to 10 sacks per year. My, my comp was Dalvin Thomason. He's going to be like a two to four, maybe, maybe five sack a season kind of guy. When I say scheme fit, though, you know, I'm talking about the height, weight, length profile that is so hard to find in terms of him being six, four, 300 plus pounds with almost, I think, 34 inch arms at least over 33 inch arms. And trying to find those guys is, is so tough to do. Um, guys that profile like a Kim Hayward, like a Stephon Too, like, like a, like a Chris Wormley. So, that's where I say scheme fit. Where a he ran a very similar system at Wisconsin than what you see in Pittsburgh. It's like a quote unquote pro style defense in terms of three four front, in terms of the run sense they do, in terms of the the calls that they make, and, and the way that they're coached really well by by Jim Leonard when he was there at Wisconsin. So um, that's when I kind of say scheme fit. It sounds like the the reader's talking more, more about value, and he he's not a fan of Benton from a value standpoint. Um, in terms of you know what he offers a pass rusher and you know positional value of a nose tackle. And that's a different discussion. I'm talking about scheme fit as in, you know, how do you translate and project him to Pittsburgh's system versus the value of it? I'm, I'm fine with the value of it. Personally, we can agree to disagree on that, but it sounds like we're, we're, we're talking about two different things where the complaint is more about, does this guy provide enough value at 49 Where my contention and where my point was on Benton was he's a really good scheme fit in terms of projecting how he fits into your defense.
0: All right. I think, did in my muck, didn't I have Benton as the first pick in this uh Yes,
1: you had him at 32.
0: Okay. So uh he goes uh all right, maybe may, maybe I overvalued him. Uh I was ecstatic for them to get him personally uh at, at 49th overall. If you don't get if you don't get a defensive tackle, because uh Gervon Dexter went a couple picks after Benton did. Mm-hmm. Uh Who else are those, those, those bigger guys with, uh, he, didn't he mention Pickens? Yeah. Yeah. And Pickens
1: was another, you know, scheme fit that Pittsburgh had little little interest in for, which was confusing to me, but, but yeah, he was there.
0: Okay. Uh, and where did, where did Mazzy was already off the board? Wasn't he?
1: Yeah. He was 26 first round to Dallas.
0: Right. So, uh, I guess where I'm going with this is if you don't get, uh, Benton at, Two forty nine, and assuming you don't get a you know a trade or anything like that done, which they didn't or whatnot, Their next pick being, uh, oh, I guess it would have been three ninety three at at Darnell Washington. Are you if Darnell Washington is still there? Are you going to bypass him for? Because Benton would have been gone by then, right? You, you would think, right?
1: I guess the reader saying he would have traded down. I'm not entirely sure what his plan was on on the right. D line there, I mean, but you it, just
0: can't push a button to make that happen.
1: Sure, obviously, yeah, um, yeah. I just if, uh, if you
0: want to say that that Benton should have gone later in this draft than than where he went, okay. But how much later, and would you have, would you have been able to get get anybody? Because then you're looking probably at uh, when did uh, Brooks go.
1: Uh sixth round. He went pretty late. Okay, so if the
0: you want you want to take your chances, you know, uh and and get him in the sixth round, okay I guess. But I mean I there there, there does come a sense where it's the old need versus the you know where you pick and best player available axis or whatnot. So I, I can see the argument I guess of just saying that he's a player that deserved to go several picks later than where he went.
1: Yeah, I mean we can just agree to disagree on that. I mean, and also again, he's not gonna be this super high end pass rusher. He's not gonna be the next Cam Hayward, but watch that senior bowl tape. Watch him in that week in Mobile, some of the one v one, some of the quickness that he has in his hands. I think his his ability to bend and finish is pretty impressive. Is he a super explosive, you know, fire off the ball kind of guy? No. I don't think it's bad. I mean, Dexter had a really bad get off problem. Like he was pretty slow off the snap in terms of, you know, good athlete, but like the snap timing was was, I think, worse than where Benton was at. And Zach Pickens was the guy that had very little you know, pass rush production. I mean, he was, you know, decently athletic, but it didn't always translate. Um, but watch this, watch some of those senior bowl tapes. you kind of really got a, a good view for, for Benton as a pass rusher. He had a really good week against, you know, pretty solid competition.
0: All right. Uh, one last one here from Todd Gensler writes an incredible draft. Uh, we could not wish for anything better. We get two solid first round draft picks with our first two picks and then two high seated second round draft picks with the second two. He says we cannot ask for anything more. My next big question is, do we trade away a player now like uh, Kevin Dodson to get back into the fifth? Or, OK, he said this on uh, Friday. Uh. So, I mean, this, uh, you know, obviously they did not trade dots in. He said, just don't, don't see, you guys have done it incredibly. I don't know if there's a question in there uh, other than that. Uh, I think we just were late getting to his, I think, I think this came in right after we finished the Friday podcast here. He says, you guys have done an incredible job this year. Uh, with the draft and we are all very appreciative. Enjoy some time and rest relaxation after all this is over. What what is R and R?
1: Not too familiar.
0: Uh not too familiar with that. Appreciate the, the words, uh Todd. Uh I yeah, I think a big question now with Dotson moving forward is 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 you know what happens with him. There's you know his salary's not one that's going to be hugely cumbersome. That Now that you haven't tra- I I thought that if they're going to trade him, it would be during the draft. And if they didn't trade him during the draft, that you might as well just l- let it run the rest of the summer with him.
1: Yeah, I didn't know. I didn't know what the odds were in draft. I think typically teams would rather just go draft a guard to get a four-year contract on him than an expiring one. I think if a Dodson trade were to happen, and there's a decent chance of that, it's going to be later in the summer when some team loses an offensive lineman and they're desperate and they're looking for a guard, and Pittsburgh can maybe leverage that a little bit. I think it's a little harder to do that um, unless it's a high-end type, of guy like an AJ Brown type, you know, mid-draft. So if Dotson gets dealt, always late summer. Uh, late August made more sense to me than during the draft.
0: Let's see, let's, uh, let's get one more here. Hey guys, first want to say I've learned so much from listening to you guys. And I always recommend this podcast to fans. He says, now he says, I don't know. It's a year out. Uh, But is it possible next draft we get uh, a live YouTube show? He says, I think it would be cool to get you guys live reaction to picking uh, your thoughts uh, as the draft picks come in. I think it would draw a large crowd. He says, I would even pay to enter. We've been asked about this for years, Deshaun. And it's, it's just we we do. There's so much that has to go up in content and and all on the site, you know, once the draft is, is going on that is just kind of not our focus and all like that. We'll let everybody else kind of do those live shows. And, you know, without a doubt, I'm I'm guessing that we would have a a, a good draw in doing that. Personally, I got to admit, I'm I'm not interested in doing that (laughs) live, have a live reaction show. I'd rather watch and and, and help the guys gather up, you know, things to write about and things like, you know, help make sure the site runs smooth and all like that. And It's just, it's never been a priority for me to do kind of a live, you know, show what, while, while, while the draft happens.
1: I think it's a fun idea. I was watching some, uh, after the draft ended, just to kind of go back and, and see that stuff. Um, but yeah, just with the, with the duties of the site, and you know, I'm the one that writes up who, who the pick is, and and you know, starts getting reaction, and then press conferences come in. It's just not really workable right now. So, you know, I like the idea, I get the idea, but I think just given where our, our focus is at, uh, like Dave said, you know, our focus is on the site and getting the articles up. So um, right now, that's not uh, in the cards.
0: All right. Uh, that's got, I think, most of the questions knocked out here. Alex, any final thoughts? We are at, uh, I think, about an hour and a half here.
1: Yeah, wrap things up. Come back on Wednesday. A reminder we'll have our, our live stream tonight, 7 p.m. Eastern Time. Just search uh, Alex Kazora on YouTube and you'll find Dave and I to answer your Steele's questions.
0: All right. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Nick Herbig Hater. Uh, <laughs> uh, no, at, uh, Steeders Depot, you follow find Alex on Twitter at Alex underscore Kazora. follow the show at terrible podcast, email the show, the terrible podcast at gmail.com. If you like what we do and want to donate to the cause, go to steetersdepot.com. hit the donate button up, right? Navigational bar. Also, if you like an ad free version of the site, steetersdepot.com, hit the ad free button, follow the directions that way. We got a few of the undrafted profiles going up today, Alex.
1: Yeah, there's one on Paralysis uh, from Fresno State about to go up. I know Josh is working on downing the Iowa State kid. I'll have Tanner Morgan probably by our Wednesday show. So, yeah, they're starting to go up.
0: All right. So uh, probably by the end of the week, we hope to have uh, profiles done on all on the undrafted guys. We'll be tracking the. The. Uh, Usually we have more invites by now. Yeah,
1: I got one. I'm literally searching right now, and there's been nothing reported. It's been a little little weird.
0: Yeah, and uh, we didn't get the full, even though, now we had all the names, didn't we? Did we have the seven before they were officially announced?
1: downing there was a report well it's now deleted it's kind of weird uh downing reportedly had offers from a couple teams or he was going to consider going back to farming in iowa (laughs) like that was Hmm. what he was deciding between playing football or like his farming career and i guess he's now chosen uh football so we knew that he was a possibility but we didn't know he was official until pittsburgh actually announced it yesterday morning
0: all right so it has been a little bit of a a delay this year when it comes to you know, the uh how how it flows with the undrafted and the and the tryout guys because usually by now we have a good six or seven at least tryout guys that, right. that that we have identified we just have the one right now so anyway pay attention to steelersdeepot.com as it comes in we'll be posting about it and alex and i'll be back out on uh as he said on the on the live stream youtube live stream tonight so uh make sure to get over to alex kazora's youtube channel and sign up for the alerts there that kind of stuff and we'll uh, the next podcast we'll have on wednesday here so uh as always thanks for listening to the Terrible Podcast with Dave and Alex. Memories should last a lifetime. But Alzheimer's disease has robbed millions of Americans of their treasured memories. If you have a family history of Alzheimer's disease or are worried about your memory, you can help by joining the NIH-funded AHEAD Study. It's aimed at delaying symptoms of Alzheimer's before they appear. Visit AHEADStudy.org to learn more. That's AHEADStudy.org.